الحمد لله وكفاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد جئتمونا فرادا كما خلقناكم أول مرة وانتردتم ما خولناكم وراء ظهوركم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم الله سبحانه وتعالى he created five senses for us and the purpose of those five senses is so that information can reach us and it used to be that a person would only be able to receive information from what was directly present in front of them or re- directly present before them through their five senses so for instance if a person let's say a thousand years ago wanted to listen to something and they had to be present in that gathering where noise was being created if they wanted to listen to someone speak they had to speak to that person face to face that was typically uh, the circumstance if they were to uh, if they wanted to uh, see something then they would have to be in they'd have to be face to face in front of whatever it was that they were looking at there was no way for that to be transmitted that visual information to be transmitted um, certainly if somebody were to taste something that food would have to be right there smell etc touch of course and over time if you look you'll see that uh, the three of the senses have, are still relatively preserved meaning you still have to in order to uh, be able to receive information from those three senses you have to actually physically be present before it so uh, for smell for instance you can't really transmit smell across some some modality right uh, uh, you have to actually the object that you're smelling has to actually be physically present before you if you want to touch something same same ordeal same deal you have to actually uh, it has to actually be present before you and then you can touch it uh, and taste the same as well and that's been relatively preserved you know over over thousands and thousands and thousands of years and wallahu a'lam what will actually happen in the future uh, and then you have your uh, your sight your vision and your your sense of hearing your sight your your, your sense of vision and your hearing and what we see now today is that uh, you don't actually have to be uh, directly in front of a person or in front of a machine or in front of a device uh, to be able to receive information it's transmitted in through through waves right in the air in thin air so someone who's sitting you know a thousand miles away if you want if you want to speak with them they'll call you and you'll speak with them and you'll hear their voice despite them not being present before you and if you want to see them you can see them live live stream you can see them you can watch them and not only could you watch them but if you were to if you wanted to watch a hundred people at the same time you could have 100 screens up in front of you and you can see 100 different people speaking to your speaking to each other and you're watching them right there's no limit if somebody for instance wants to reach out to you via message right a person can message you now it used to be that if somebody wanted to give you some information they would you know you might have a serious uh, they would tell you directly before your face so you would get that information you'd be able to take it in right if they if, if let's say that you know people were writing you letters right okay fine you might have a stack of letters and one by one maybe you'd 
you consider reading the letters. Um, but now you could be bombarded with messages, and there could be 100 different people messaging you at the same time, right? There could be 100 people different messaging you, trying to reach you at the same time, trying to call you at the same time. Um, there, there's, you know, hundreds of different channels you can watch on television. There's thousands or millions of websites that you can actually go to to, to get information. And it's not that you are actually, when it comes to sight and hearing, it's not that you're actually having to go to it. It's actually now coming to you. It's actually now intruding into your own space. And that never existed before. That, po that There was never that possibility before. That possibility is there now. And it's, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's increasing almost at an exponential rate. The ability to, for you to be able to, for you to filter what comes through your five senses, or you could say what information actually reaches you, the ability to filter it is, uh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's uh, you, have, you have less of an ability to filter now than you did before. It, it gets to you. It reaches you, especially if your doors are open. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because being bombarded with information, it can be detrimental to a person's health. And that's both spiritually and you could say emotionally as well. Or you could say mentally. When a person has too much information coming at them, whether it be good information or bad information, beneficial or not beneficial, it does a couple of things. Number one is it clouds the mind. And number two, it halts the ability for the heart to grow. Number one, it uh, clouds the mind. And it prevents the heart from growing. Now what's interesting is that we don't actually perceive this, but this is what happens. You know, if you were to, and we don't perceive it because we don't, we don't know this is what's actually happening to us. But when you are constantly bombarded with your informa with information, your five senses are constantly bombarded, you inevitably will, you're, are clouding your mind and inevitably you're stunting the growth of your heart. And What's interesting is if you look through the history of our deen, you'll find that the preference of the people of piety was always to seek out seclusion. If you were to look through the history of our deen, you'll see that the preference of the people of piety in the past, it was always to seek out some seclusion. Not indefinitely, not for their whole life, but for either periods of their day or periods of the month or some period in their life where they would desire seclusion. They would want to put up this sort of gate in front of their five senses and turn everything that was coming toward them away so that they could clear their mind and allow their heart to grow. Now, you look last in the last gathering, we spoke about the journey of Imam Ghazali. Rahimahullah. Look at his life. right? He was someone who... Uh, reached a point in his life where he wanted something more. He was the, the head, we said, of, of his institution. And he had achieved the pinnacles of this world, quote-unquote, and even the pinnacles of deen, especially academically. And yet he wanted something more, and at that, and he reached a juncture in his life where he preferred seclusion. And he actually traveled, and he secluded and isolated himself for an extended period of time so that he could... He could sort of block off his five senses. All the environment that he was around was no longer there, so that environment wasn't able to infiltrate his senses. Uh, the 
um, the people he was interacting with, they were now removed from his life. Everything he had taken a step away from, he had placed this, you say, you know, uh, this figurative gate in front of him, and nothing was allowed to penetrate it because he felt that this was important to him. This is what he, he this, is, this was by his choice, and through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help, he decided to seclude himself. Now, we talked about him last time, but look at our greatest example, which is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi now look at look at the, look at his circumstance, and I find this to be incredible. Look at the time in which he lived, and look at where he lived. He lived fourteen hundred years ago. What technology was available fourteen hundred years ago? There was no there was there was very little technology. There was no there were no telephones. There was no television that could be bombarding his senses, that could be intruding into his space. There was no cell phone. There was no iPhone. There was no there were no Twitter accounts. There was no Facebook. You know, all of these things that, we th- that are sort of uh, taken over our lives, none of these things were present at the time of the Prophet There wasn't a telephone. He, no one could reach him if they wanted to talk to him and they were far away. They couldn't reach him. It was the person, people right in front of him and it was him. Um, there, was, uh, there was no internet, right? It was him in a particular community and a group of people that were there. And despite him not being bombarded, you know, as much as a person could be bombarded today... He felt that he needed to isolate himself. He felt that he needed to isolate himself. Right? Despite not having uh, all of the, you could say, mm, you could say distractions, for lack of a better word. Despite not having all of those things present at that time and at that place, the Prophet felt that even the environment of Makkah Mukarramah, it's a desert. I mean, if you were to, if you go like a half a kilometer even today, it's just, it's quiet, it's silent, it's just, there's nothing. Despite that circumstance, despite that circumstance, the Prophet Sallallahu felt that even that was too much for him, and he isolated himself for what, months and months at a time. Meaning for at least six months, uh, at least six months prior to Nubuwa. Right? He, uh, he went and he sat in a cave, sometimes he would pack his clothes, sometimes he would he'd pack his food up, and for a, an entire week, he would go and isolate himself in seclusion in the cave of Hira. This is the Prophet who chose to do this. And there's other examples as well. You look, uh, some people, sometimes it was a choice, like Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah. sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, kind of forces or, 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 or creates circumstances by which people have to put themselves into isolation as well. You look in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Maryam alayhi salam as well. Right? And when, when she uh, was, was carrying Isa السلام, in her womb, she, at the time she was very frightened because uh, this was, uh, because there was no, uh, there was no, um, there was no father, right, for, for, for Isa السلام. So what did she do? She, she isolated herself from the community. She had to isolate herself from the community. Now maybe this wasn't necessarily by her choice, but she isolated herself from the community as well. And the benefit that she received... Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, uh, That when she isolated herself, some, a caller called to her and said, Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And then what happens eventually when she has to return back to her community, she gives, so she gives birth, number one, to Isa alayhi salam, who's a prophet of Allah. And then that, that, the, the miracle of Isa alayhi salam, especially when he's first born, is that he actually speaks as a baby. He's able to speak as a baby. The effect, or at least partly, the effect of Maryam salam's isolation is that, or the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives her from isolation is this. 
The Prophet ﷺ isolated himself, and what was he given through seclusion? Nubuwa. He was given prophethood, not just any prophethood. The most important prophethood in the history of, of the world, right? The leader of the Anbiya was the Prophet wasallam, and it was after long periods of seclusion and isolation that the Prophet wasallam received this as well. Uh, Hajar alayhi salam, the, uh, uh, when Ibrahim alayhi salam had dropped her off uh, in, in, uh, 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 in, the, in the valley of Mecca, barren land, there's nothing there, isolation, seclusion by herself and her son Ismail, just, a, just an infant at the time. She's in isolation and seclusion, and the effect of her seclusion is what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates or causes water to gush from the ground. And there's so much water that she has to tell the water, zam zam, like stop, stop, because now I was worried about my child, you know, dying of thirst, and now I'm worried that my child's gonna die from drowning because there's so much water, zam zam, stop, stop. And then that water is such a, uh, it's such a, um, it's a powerful source of water that to this day it's feeding millions and millions of people. That occurred through the isolation of Hajar Now. There's many benefits of seclusion. There's many benefits of isolation. And this doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from society. That's not the point here. The point is that it's important for us for periods of time, either in our life or in particular periods of time in our day, that we isolate and we remove ourselves from all of those things that are bombarding us. We remove ourselves from all of those things that are bombarding us. We identify what are the things that are really you know, play well. You can. You, you let's just even keep it general. That I dedicate time for myself, where I sit and I reflect and I isolate and I seclude myself every single day, in hopes that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will grant me something uh, monumental, the way He granted the Prophet Sallallahu monumental, the way He granted Hajar Alayhi Salam something so special, the way He granted Maryam Alayhi Salam something so special, the way He granted Imam Ghazali Rahimahullah something so special. That perhaps through the time that I spend by myself in reflection, in seclusion, focused on my Lord and my Creator, perhaps at some point in time Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will give me something that's very special as well. Now this isn't uh, craziness, right? I mean, seclusion and isolation, this is something that's being recommended across all communities and all faiths and all cultures, right? This is almost the new uh, the new thing that's being put pushed in many different environments. In corporate, you'll have seminars that are given to everyone, all the employees and, and telling people that you need to spend 15 to 20 minutes of your time meditating every day. This is commonplace, it's common practice. Because over the years, people have found out the benefits of seclusion and isolation. And they found how, how good it is for you overall. How good it is for your overall well-being. How good it is for your health, etc. But we have the added benefit. Not only is it beneficial for us in that realm, but it also allows us to achieve greatness when it comes to our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'll tell you, you won't be able to achieve that unless you, isol unless you have those uh, moments with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what are the benefits? Number one, I mentioned that, so having our senses bombarded with everything, meaning constantly having noise in our life, it clouds our mind and it, it stunts the growth of, growth of the heart. So on the flip side, if a person 
spend some time in isolation and seclusion every day. The effect of that is that number one, it clears the mind. And if the mind is not cleared, then you won't be able to move to the next phase, which is growth, growing the heart. Most of us are stuck in that phase of clearing our mind. Right? We, we sit down and we decide that we're going to do the dhikr or the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or we sit down even without that intention. We just sit down in one place, you know, in a waiting room for instance. And yet we can't sit. We're uncomfortable. We, we look for our phone. We look for, is there something that I can watch? Is there something that I can feel I can touch? I'm not comfortable in my own space. No one's comfortable in their own space because the mind begins to wander in such strange places. Sometimes it wanders, you know, producing extremely negative thoughts. Sometimes it wanders producing doubts about the Sometimes it wanders producing uh, doubts about the Prophet ﷺ. Sometimes it wanders and, and, create, uh, and, it, and it, puts in, uh, it, um, uh, it puts in worry and fear. Into, into, and because the mind is, is just constantly moving around. But one of the benefits of seclusion and isolation is that you sit and you clear your mind. And if you were to just take this principle, if you were to practice this, even without, the, without correct intention, meaning the intention of pleasing Allah and becoming closer to Allah, if you were to just spend time every single day uh, in seclusion, you will be able to clear your mind. The effect, for instance, of certain types of meditation therapies is that it, it's been proven now, this is proven in studies that have been done for years now, that it decreases anxiety, it decreases depression, it improves your overall mental health quality of life. Again, without even the intent, uh, and, so, and so it clears that mind, so that when a person, even outside of that period of seclusion and isolation, is actually able to, to think properly, they're able to remain focused, they're able to be focused. Now, so the, the effect of sitting, and, uh, sitting in silence, let's say, let's put it, sitting in silence, meaning silence from, no, uh, from things that you can hear, silence from things that you can see, silence from you know, any, uh, all these sorts of distractions, that in and of itself, the first benefit that it has is it helps you clear the mind. And it takes time. It takes time. You know, people ask, well, I've been trying to do this. I sit down, I face the Qibla, um, but I just can't, can't stop thinking about a thousand different things. This comes into my mind, and that comes into my mind, and the whole half an hour I'm sitting down reflecting, I'm, I'm thinking about the most bizarre things, or I'm thinking about, you know, what, what, uh, what I had for lunch, or what I'm going to have for lunch, or, these thoughts keep coming into my mind. Well, it's because we haven't yet, uh, we're still on that first stage, which is we're trying to control the mind, and it takes time. It takes time. So, like I said, if a person who doesn't even believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to spend time every day in seclusion, just in silence, I shouldn't say seclusion, in silence, meaning you could still be in a group of people, right? doesn't mean you're going to go in a, somewhere in a closet. You could still be in a group of people, but if somebody sat in silence by themselves for 15 or 20 minutes a day and just tried to clear their thoughts for a period of time, that, and they don't even believe in Allah, the effect of that would, that, would there be clarity in thought, there'd be improved concentration and attention, there'd be decreased depression and anxiety, all of these effects are happening, and a person isn't even doing this for the sake of Allah. So then what happens? Now a person actually decides that they're going to sit for Allah's sake, and then they're going to try to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during that silence and in that silence. The way the Prophet in his silence remembered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The way Imam Ghazali rahimahullah in his silence remembered Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then what the, what's the effect of that? You can, even, you can only imagine the sky then becomes the limit. 
And this is why our ulama and our mashayikh say that the secrets of our deen, or sorry, you could put it this way, the, the secret realities of our deen are only uncovered or revealed to a person when they're in silence and, and in connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the time. It doesn't occur in, it, it, when, you're, when you're with other people. You know, it doesn't occur when you're having conversation. It doesn't occur when you're sitting on the internet and, and, or in front of a television. It occurs when you are silently focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So imagine, if there's so much benefit in someone who doesn't believe in Allah, in someone who isn't even doing it with the right intention, imagine what the benefit would be of silence, and sitting in silence, and facing the qibla, now with the right intention, and now with belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your heart, what the effect of that will be in the long run. The heart will then grow. The heart will then grow, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow you to uh, see the realities of the world, of this world the way they're supposed to be seen. That's, this is the problem, right? We, for instance, we drive down the street, and there's, um, there's, a, there's a tree, and there's a skyscraper right next to each other. A tree and a skyscraper right next to each other. Now, we look at the skyscraper, and we're mesmerized. We look at the tree, and we think nothing of it, right? Why is that? Because the reality of this world has not yet been opened up to us by Allah, Right? But a person who, whose eyes are open to the realities of this world, who Allah Ta'ala opens their eyes to the realities of this world, isn't, isn't mesmerized or isn't amazed by the false vanities of this world. They look at the natural wonders of this world and they, and they, and they ponder and reflect upon it. They ponder and they reflect upon it. And they're, and they're amazed by it. They're amazed by the sky. They're amazed by the sun. They're amazed by thoughts about Jannah. They're amazed by thoughts about Jahannam. They're amazed by thoughts about the Akhirah. They're amazed by thoughts about the grave. They're amazed by thoughts about the Prophet ﷺ. But when they were to, if they were to sit and think about things in this dunya, it, they could care less. You know, we're, we're, we're so amazed with the newest device that, you know, that's released. Right? Thinking that, wow, it has this feature, it's that feature, it swipes this way, it can access this many things. And yet, the, uh, the, 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 the wood that the device is sitting on, we aren't impressed with. Right? It's because the reality of this world hasn't been opened up to us, and it will only be opened to, up to us it, with our seclusion, in, in, our, in our silence uh, uh, reflecting upon, uh, or in our silence, in our silence, let's leave it at that. It'll only be opened up to us with silence. And what's interesting, taking it even one step further, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an that the people who are of excellence in this world, right? We, we, we've talked about this before. Allah ta'ala says about them, الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says first, the people of excellence are those people that remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while they're sitting, standing, and lying. وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ And they reflect upon the creation of the heavens and the earth. But what came first in the verse? You have to be someone who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. Then and only then will you be able, be able to properly reflect upon the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. Which is why the ulama say that if you sit in silence and you engage in the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if you don't know why you're doing it, even if you're not actively reflecting upon some incredible thought, incredible thought or some, some uh, philosophical principle about Allah, even if you're not doing any of that, you're simply engaged in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's remembrance, the effect of that will be that you will then be able to do the fikr of this universe.
you'll actually be able to contemplate and reflect upon the universe. Verses of the Quran will then be opened up to you. Your eyes, you, when you read the Quran, it'll actually hit you what, how amazing these three words of the Quran are. Right? Yes, the, last night, one of, uh, there was a, a scholar in town and he, and he, was, he gave the, the example of the verse, Surat uh, Al-Mulk, Four words. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created life, or created death, and he created life. Now, someone whose eyes are opened up, or who you could better say, whose heart is opened up to the reality of this world, would listen to this verse, or read this verse, and be stuck on it for days. Thinking about how incredible it is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created death. How do you create death? What is death? Death is the absence of something. You don't create death, you create life. Right? But you won't be able to reflect upon this unless you've already done the dhikr and remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the effect of a person engaging in Allah's remembrance and in particular when a person engages in the silent remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is essential. It's difficult to move forward in our deen. We won't be able to make progress unless we've understood this principle and then we've practiced upon this principle. The secrets to the deen open up in silence. So for us, practically speaking, it means that we spend time every day without any distraction, just by ourselves. Pick a time that's most comfortable for you, most convenient for you, and put all the distractions of the world away. Just sit in silence and see what happens. Now your mind will wander initially, and that could take a while to sort out, but eventually that'll sort out. And then engage the heart in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's remembrance. And see, well, see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala transforms your life. See then how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala transforms your life just like the transformation that's occurred for generations before us. And, the, and it's important in particular in this day and age. Because maybe a thousand, maybe, even, even today, if you were to go in, in, in some village in, in Africa, maybe you wouldn't have all these distractions. There's going to be time, periods of time in your day where you have silence. It's naturally there. Even 20 years ago, there were periods of time where you had silence. When you went to bed at night 20 years ago, even if your phone was connected, you would shut the telev television off, you'd be able to, you'd have some silence, right? But now we don't even have that ability because we have our phones with us. We don't have that ability because the internet is constantly connected. So we don't have it today. But we have to force ourselves to create that circumstance today so that we don't miss out. So that we don't miss out either. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us of, 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 uh, of forgive us for, for attending to all the distractions of this world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to spend some time in silence and in reflection. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq to reach a state of contemplation. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.